pilgrims. It's time for your favorite world-traveling, Bible-toting, soul-winning, Satan-hating, tried, tested, and triumphant host, Pastor A.J. Harold. Just a quick reminder to not be weary in well-doing, for as peculiar pilgrims, we're just watching, waiting, and working. Buckle up, and let's ride. The Lord has blessed my wife and I with 12 amazing children. I distinguish them by calling the older six kids my top six, and the younger six kids, I call them the littles. I don't call the littles the bottom six because I'm sure that would give them some sort of complex or something. Well, my top six range in age from 15 years young to 22 years old. These six children are very hardworking for the most part. They have accomplished much and are requested to minister in various, basically different areas from time to time. Let me chase this rabbit really quick. As I talk about my children, I want to say that I am proud of them. But many of us struggle with using that word proud. Instead, I want to encourage you to say this, I'm very thankful for my children, or I'm very thankful for you. It's not a big deal as it is common, it's a common usage the way we use the word proud there, but I personally have tried to state it in another way. Okay, back to my oldest six children. They have accomplished much and are requested to minister in various areas from time to time. I mean, just this week, my four oldest boys sang a few times at a meeting at a local church in our area. My wife and I could not attend because we were with our other children at a student convention that I'll mention later, but a dear friend of mine, Brother Ed, he picked them up and took them home each night. I'm truly thankful for my top six. Well, the littles are not as easily used, if I can say it that way. They are young, and, well, they're not really trained in the area of music as of yet. Of course, they are training, and we are pouring into them. But as a family, we sing, and of course, we include them all the way down to our four-year-old. But for anyone that knows us, I believe you would agree when I say that my wife and the top six, they really carry all 14 of us. Well, my wife and I have invested a lot of time and treasure into all of our children's development. Please notice that I said invested and not spent, for there is a very distinct difference in these two words. The word spend is defined this way. It is to consume, to waste, to squander, as to spend an estate in gaming or other vices. When you think about video gaming systems, you can think about spending treasure for that thing. It's not evil, but it can be used to consume time, to waste their time, and to squander their time. So again, you would be spending treasure and not investing treasure. 
I do believe that it's nice to unplug from time to time and just hang out and have fun. But pilgrims, there are things that we can spend our time and treasure on. Yet I want to encourage you to invest in your children as well and more often than you spend on them. The word invest is defined this way, to clothe. It also means to place in possession of an office, rank, or dignity. It means to clothe with office or authority. It also means to adorn, to grace as to invest with honor. In this episode, I want to encourage you to invest in your children and not just spend treasure on them. I want to encourage you to clothe them and prepare them for office or authority. But how? How can we invest in our children more than we spend on our children? I pray that this personal testimony and encouragement helps you distinguish between the two and apply the changes where necessary in your lives. Okay, first of all, this process begins with the parents, and I'll throw this out there as well. It also begins with the investing adult, okay? I'm focused in on moms and dads and children, but understand if you are an adult that has nieces and nephews, even younger cousins, or you're a Sunday school teacher, or you're a pastor, or whatever it is, if you're investing in the next generation, this episode is for you. So again, first of all, this process begins with the parent or the authority. Mom and dad, you must realize that you are not their friend first, but you are his steward first. Now, I've defined the word steward before, but it's necessary to give you the definition now for a review. My dear friend, Pastor Jerry Scheidbach says this, There is always something new in every review. So let's review the definition of the word steward. It is defined as a man or a human, a man or woman, employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns, superintend the other servants, collect the rents or income, keep the accounts, etc. So by definition, the word steward is defined as a man employed in great families. Now I'm going to break up this definition, but understand that we as peculiar pilgrims are to be stewards of the next generation. We are men and women employed in great families. And as peculiar pilgrims, we have been employed in a seriously great family. We are part of the family of God. The definition continues. Yes, it's a man employed in great families, but it's employed, a man employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns. As the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We must train our young people in the way he should go. This cannot happen without intentional investing. Again, a man employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns, superintend the other servants is how it continues. Superintend the other servants. As parents or as stewards of young people, 
Let me say that any adult who is influencing the next generation, you must superintend the other servants that are also part of the family of God. We are all servants of the Most High God as believers. But just because we are older than them, we have a responsibility to steward them as parents or elders. We must superintend the other servants within the family. What I'm trying to say is that the first step of investing in our children or the next generation is realizing our responsibility in the process. Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So step one, realize your need to invest in the next generation. And you must also understand the difference of investing and spending. Now, step two, step two is simple. Pray for them and prepare them for battle. Often we prepare our young people for battle, but we neglect prayer, which is of the utmost importance. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31 says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle. But the verse doesn't stop there. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Here's a personal testimony about prayer and preparation, even in the midst of preparing against the day of battle. Okay, so I had the opportunity and the great privilege of coaching my two oldest daughters, and I coached them and their basketball team for a few years in a row a few years ago. Both of my girls have now graduated from high school and are young adults. But at the time, while they were in high school, we decided to put them in a small Christian school league for sports with some other homeschoolers. Well, we practiced basketball a few times a week and had games once or twice a week. We had player-led devotions at practice, and I would constantly pour the Word of God into them during practice or even during the games. Well, even though it was our very first season and the first time playing for all the girls, I'm pretty sure it was all of them, I believe if my memory serves me right, we made it to the championship game our very first year. Well, at halftime of the championship game, we were down and the team seemed a bit deflated to say the least. I know that what is said in halftime speeches and during timeouts are very important. And this is not just game day, but championship game day. It's halftime. We're losing. You would never guess what inspiring speech I shared as I prepared them for battle of the second half. If you tried to guess, I promise you that you'd never get it. I mean, for you experienced basketball players or athletes of any kind, I'm sure you would never guess the topic that I chose to talk about at halftime of a championship game that we were down by just a few points. Well, I went in there knowing that they sure seemed defeated and deflated already, and I spoke to them about marriage. 
Yes, it's halftime of our league's championship game, and we're losing by a few points, and I spend the few minutes that I have at halftime talking about marriage. I told the girls that this game is just like marriage. You're in it, it's hard, you're down according to the scoreboard, but you cannot quit. It ain't over. Let's go win his heart back. (laughs) Let's get back out there and finish the job. We can't quit. If you don't know me, you may think I'm embellishing this story, but I'm not. Fast forward to the last play of the game. We're now in the fourth quarter. The other team has the ball right around half court. They're up by one point, and for some crazy reason, they call a timeout. So when we gather the team in, it is a very, very important time. I encouraged the girls. I told them what to expect, and then I told them what to do. I said, if you do this, if you do what I said, we will win. And like a movie scene, the other team did exactly what I said they would do, and my oldest daughter, Chanel, did exactly what she was supposed to do and stole the ball, and we literally won the game with the layup at the buzzer for the win. We, after the the, uh, win there, and we're celebrating a little bit, we shook hands, we went back into the locker room, and you guessed it, more marriage talk. (laughs) We just won the championship game of our first ever season. I'm pretty sure none of the girls had played basketball before, but I took the time to reinforce the topic of marriage. See, instead of using basketball as just a fun game and spending our time that way, I used the entire season as an investment in the lives of these young ladies. I even had the privilege of counseling them now. I counsel them now as young adults in various areas uh, that these, man, these many years later that they bring up to me. Also, you can spend a lot of treasure on sports. They are fun, but I want to encourage you to invest instead. By the way, the word fun, again, I'm a word nerd. (laughs) The word fun is defined as sport. Vulgar merriment. It's a low word. I don't really want anything in my life to just be fun for fun's sake, but rather... I want to live with great intentionality. I can take a game like basketball and use it to make small investments in the lives of my children and other young people. I prayed and thanked God for that championship win because it solidified all the lessons that I invested into those girls all season long. I felt like we had to win so that God could use it over and over and over again. Now, those girls, now young adults, still laugh when we get together and bring up coaches' talks during practice and at timeouts and during halftimes. Hey, listen to this. Step two is very important. Again, step one, realize your need as an adult to invest into the next generation. And step two is to pray for them and prepare them for the battle. Step three is a tough one, though. 
Now, I just want to tell you, I have four steps and we're heading to step three. Step three is a tough one. Here it is. Allow them to fail. This week, my wife and I are with two of our children, our younger children, the littles, at a student convention where they compete in various categories uh, versus other students. Well, much has been invested into them by their mother and a couple of their older siblings from that top six side. Pilgrims, not all investments grow every single day and are noticed the impact of them anyway right away. Right now in America, our economy is so bad that many financial investments have been suffering with a negative return. But a wise investor allows the market to fluctuate knowing that it will come back at some point. My two children did not do very well at this convention. Both of them forgot words during their speeches and during their poems. They forgot words on their singing solos. Uh, one of them forgot an entire verse on his solo. It didn't really um, pan out very well either when they played their instruments to the best of their ability, but honestly, not so much. I mean, to be honest, my wife and I knew before we ever got here that this was going to be a rough couple of days. We knew that they were not ready, and we knew that they would feel embarrassed and ashamed. We could not have just quit. We, we, I mean, I guess we could have pulled them out of these events, and we could have just let them only participate on their strong events. They sing in a small ensemble with a few other young ladies, and instead we could have pulled them out of their weak areas, allowed them to sing with this small ensemble, and by the way, that ensemble is going to be recognized during the awards ceremony. So that, we knew that would go well, we didn't think it would be that good, but that turned out really well. So we could have pulled them out of the other areas that we knew they would fail in. I was not surprised at the lack of memorization. I wasn't surprised. I was saddened as a father, as an investor in their lives, but they rejected that investment. And then when they had an opportunity to shine, they were found wanting. We could have sheltered them from the obvious pending failure, but pilgrims, we must let them fail. Not everyone gets a, par a participation trophy. That mentality isn't healthy for anyone. The key is to allow them to fail, but make sure they are failing forward. I sternly admonished my son, who is 11 years old, by the way, and then I told him that next year we'll be ready. It hurt him to fail. I knew he would, but I let him fail and then immediately began to encourage him to use this failure as a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. I've shared with you listeners before, but Michael Jordan was asked how he took a certain loss regarding a basketball game. And he said, and I quote, I never lose, I only learn. Let them fall off the bike. Let them skin their knee. 
let them hurt themselves to understand how important it is to be careful. Now, obviously, I'm not saying let them play with fire or with obvious danger pending there, but let them fail. Just don't miss the opportunity to invest in them at that moment where their personal stock is very, very down. Lastly, step four is to allow what you've planted and what you've watered to be planted and watered by faith. Realize that Almighty God wants these children to grow up in the nurture and admonition of himself, of the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. As I conclude, I'm looking at my two children sleeping in the missions apartment that we are staying in right now. They failed today. They failed pretty bad in some areas. But they are not quitting or even thinking about quitting because mom and dad are right here as good stewards investing in them. I just want to say that I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I thank God for my children and I thank God that God has lent them to me and allows me to steward them for his good and his glory. Pilgrims, are you investing or spending in your own life, and in the lives of those around you. I want to encourage you to invest and never let up. Thank you for listening, and I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends and family. We would not exist if it were not for pilgrims just like you. If you'd like to donate to help us with the cost of these productions, use Cash App at Peculiar Pilgrims won't regret it. Also, you can email us anytime with your compliments, complaints, critiques, and even criticism at peculiarpilgrimspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, fellow pilgrims, never let up.